Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good. Those of you that are joining us for the first time, maybe you're you're helping celebrate a baptism, we want to say welcome to you. Those of you joining us uh, online for the first time, we want to say welcome to you as well. Can we put our hands together and just welcome all of our guests today? Amen. It's actually a perfect time for you to be here, or, or if a friend shared the video, perfect time for you to be tuning in, because we are concluding our series talking about recommit. And, and as recommit, we're asking, what are we committing to? Again, it's the vision and the values of this house. And so, so if you're here for the first time, you're going to get to hear what we're about, who we are, what, what makes us tick, what we're passionate about, what we're pursuing, all of that good stuff. Before we do, though, how is everybody's Thanksgiving? Good. Did anybody eat way too much food? Anybody have a food coma after... After the Thanksgiving meal, okay, some of us. It was a great Thanksgiving. There's a lot to be thankful for, right? Like during this time, we, we have a heart of gratitude and we're, we're thankful for, for God and, and him sending his son. We're thankful for Jesus and him giving up his life on the cross. There's things in our lives to be thankful for. We're thankful for family. We're thankful for health. We're thankful for friends. We're thankful that the Cowboys lost on Thanksgiving Day. There's a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> There's a lot to be thankful for. Hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving. We did and, uh, and, and hope you did as well. Today, like I said, we're concluding this series. And, and again, everything goes back to John 10, 10. Angel quoted it earlier, but Jesus is speaking. And he says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. He says, but my purpose and the reason that I've come is that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And, and our passion is really that abundant life. And really helping you find the abundant life and live out the abundant life. Because Jesus, yes, he came to give us the hope of eternity one day. But there's an abundance here and now. I think as, as Christians, sometimes we can look at our relationship with Jesus kind of as that get out of hell free card. Right? right? Like Monopoly. How many of you guys like playing Monopoly? You get the get out of jail free card. Nobody likes playing Monopoly. Realize that, like three people raise their hands. You don't like, you don't really like playing Monopoly. First of all, it's five hours long. Second of all, you always end up punching somebody by the end of the game. So nobody likes playing Monopoly, but there is the, there is the get out of jail free card. I think sometimes we can look at, at Jesus as our get out of hell free card. And yes, there is the hope of eternity one day, the, the, the expectant hope that he is going to come again for his church and we're going to live with him in eternity forever. Um, but, but there's also an abundant life here and now. Now, it's not an abundance of resources or an abundance of material wealth or an abundance of things or stuff, but it's an abundance of what his kingdom and his spirit produces. It's an abundance of freedom. And it's an abundance of peace, and it's an abundance of joy, an abundance of love. And, and as I look around in my 37 years on this earth and being a part of many different churches and seeing many different churches, whether it was traveling with my dad or myself or whatever the case may be, what I've found is there, there are very few Christians who are really walking and living in the abundance that Christ has paid for them to have. And it breaks my heart because that's what Jesus said his purpose was. John 10, he says, my purpose is that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So how do we tap into that? How do we find that? That's, that's really the vision of this house. 
What we say is we exist to lead all people from all places into the freedom and fullness found in abundant life in Christ. That's our heartbeat. That's what drives us. That's what motivates us. That's everything that we do. We'll go back to that. Last week, we started talking about our values. If the vision is the what, the mission is the how, the values are the why. The values will determine the, the culture that we, we create. It'll determine what people feel when they walk in. It'll be, determine how we make our decisions. It'll determine what decisions we make. Our values will will order the, the steps that we take in fulfilling the vision and the mission that God has given us. And so last week we started talking about the values. We talked about the first four. There's seven of them. Today we're going to finish the last three. So if you weren't here last week or you need a, a refresher, here are the values that we hold as Dream City. Number one, we value God first. What does that mean? It means that we value him above anything else. But we also value putting God first in everything, in every area, in every decision, in every conversation, in every attitude, in every action. God, may you be first in all things. We also talked about how as, as a church, these values are not just organizational values. But since we are the church, these have to become personal values. That if we as a church are going to stand up and say, we value putting God first, then that must mean that we all as individuals stand up and say that we value putting God first in our lives. It can't be the culture of this house until it's the culture of our lives. The culture that you feel on Sunday morning should just be an extension of the culture that you experience in your home during the week. That's challenging, I know. Number one, we value putting God first. Number two, we value transformed lives. That's why we do baptisms the way that we do. That's why it's a celebration when, when baptisms take place because it's, it's a, a life that has been changed, a life that has encountered Jesus and will never be the same again. Last week, we, we talked about Patrick's story and, and, and all that God has done in him and in his family over the last 12 months. We value that. We, we pursue that. We, we honor that. We protect that. We chase after that. If, if, if transformed lives is something that you value, then that, what, what that means is that every day during the week, you should be encouraging people to come and experience what you've experienced. Because I, my life has been changed, and I know people's lives that have been changed, and I know that your life needs to be changed as well. Whether you know it or you don't, you need to come and experience what I've experienced. You need the hope that I have, the peace that I've found. We value transformed lives. We value excellence. What is excellence? It's doing everything for his glory. Doing everything, no matter what we do, we do it as if we're doing it unto God. It's not just doing things with excellence, but it's also making sure that we are doing excellent things. We aren't just giving ourselves to good things, but we're giving ourselves to great things. God, may everything that I do be excellent and with excellence. And then finally, last week, we talked about generosity. We say we invest our time, talents, and treasure into his kingdom. That it's not about living life closed-fisted, but open-handed, recognizing that everything we have, we have because he's given us anyway. And so who are we? We are, we are generous people, quick to be generous in all things and in all ways and on all occasions, living lives with generosity. And, and I want to encourage you, you guys are some of the most generous people. And I'm not just saying that because... Maybe I'm supposed to. I'm not just saying that to butter you up. I'm not just saying that for any other reason than to acknowledge the fact and, and to, to encourage you to continue in that. 
When we, when we raise clothes or we do a clothing drive for the homeless population in our community, the fact that we went down and we handed out over 600 items of clothing, the fact that, that, that so much of what we do, we do because you are willing to give of your time and of your energy and of your talents and saying, God, what have you gifted me and how can I be used to further your kingdom? And so, so continue in that, continue to, to pursue that in all things. Today, we're going to continue. And we're going to talk about the last three. And as you look at this list, it's kind of like, you know, when, when, you, when, when God gave them the Ten Commandments, the first four of those commandments were, were dealing with, with man and God, and then the last were dealing with man and man. And it's kind of the same in, in the way that we've structured this, where a lot of this is, is a result of my relationship with him. But then these last three really have to do with our relationship with each other. And, and it's hard being in relationship. Community is difficult because people are difficult. How many had difficult people in your lives? Okay, some of you aren't raising your hand because the person is sitting next to you right now, and I respect that. <laughs> How many of you had difficult people over for Thanksgiving? Yes. How many of you are planning on having difficult people over for Christmas? We all have those people in our lives. Why? Because people are difficult. And yet, as we as we look into God's words, so much of the New Testament is about how we deal with one another. So as we look at these values, we're going to break them down one by one. But, but number five, we value authentic community. Two parts to that. Number one, authentic. What does it mean to be authentic? It's the state of being real. It's not fake. And so in relationship, there needs to be a sense of vulnerability and transparency. And understand that that's not with everybody. But that's with those that you have community with. There needs to be those in your life that you can let your guard down, that you can take your mask off. And the facade that you've been, been carrying around all week that says, I have it all together, can just melt away. Because we all know you don't. None of us do. But we all walk around with this mask and this act wanting to convince others and convince ourselves that we're good. We're okay when inside we're really a mess. So we need the authenticity. We, we, we really can't have real community and real relationship and meaningful relationship without authenticity. But there needs to be the sense of community as well. We see it in Acts chapter 2. The very first church in the New Testament says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. What are they devoting themselves to? They're devoting themselves to God, number one, and then to each other. My question is, who are you devoted to? When you come into church on Sunday morning, is this just people that I see once a week or are these people that I am devoted to? Are there people here that I'm doing life with? Are there people here that I know that I can call when I need them? When I'm discouraged, there are people that can encourage me. When I'm, when I'm struggling, there are people that can, that can sharpen me. When, when, when I'm questioning things, there are, there are people that can, can come alongside me and build up my faith. Are there, are there people in our lives that we have that can do that? See, we were created for community. You have to understand that when you are trying to do life outside of community, not only, not only is it going to be... Um, is it, is it going to be harmful to you in, in so many areas of your life? But you're, you're trying to do life in a way that you weren't intended or designed for. God says we were created in whose image? 
God's image. God's image is an image of community. Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one, the Trinity, they, they are the perfect picture of authentic community. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what he tells me to say. John 17, he said, let them be one. Father, as you and I are one, as I am in you, let them be in us. Why? Because we are in community. Let them be in community as well. That's how you were designed. That's how you were intended. It is not good that man should be alone. So what does God do? He puts him to sleep and creates a helper. You weren't created to go through life alone. I'm sorry, all the introverts that are in here. They're just like, can it just be me and Jesus? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be great if we could just find ourselves on an island and it's just us and him? You know what the problem with that, first of all, is that you'll be there, so you'll mess it up. But the second problem is nobody else is there, so you can't be obedient to God's word. You can't be obedient to God's word in a vacuum by yourself because there are 59 one another, not suggestions or recommendations, but commands that we are given in God's word that we can't do unless we're in community with somebody else. We can't love one another, encourage one another, bear one another's burden. We can't forgive one another. 59 things that you and I are commanded to do that we can't if we're not in community with one another. It's hard and it's difficult. I understand that, but it's so needed, especially right now. As I was preparing for this, I, I read a recent survey that they had done. And, and as part of this survey, they, they found that 36% of respondents, I think they asked 10,000 Americans, 36% of them responded as suffering from chronic loneliness. It's not just, I feel lonely once in a while. I feel by myself every now and then. It's not, it's not just a fleeting sense of loneliness, but it's a, I wake up every day and I feel alone. I wake up every day and I have nobody to go to. I wake up every day and, and, and it's just me and I'm by myself. 36, more than one in three Americans are living life that way. And it's not, it's not just subject to one demographic or the other, but what was interesting to me is that the loneliest group of people, those who responded the highest are those aged 18 to 25. In those age 18 to 25, 61% of them reported feeling chronically lonely. 61%. Another study that, that I looked at looked at the, the effect of social media use. And what it found was those that use social media heavily, which means more than two hours a day, 75% of them are suffering from anxiety and depression versus 25% of those that use it for less than that. We're lonely, so what do we do? We are looking for any semblance of community or connection, and we think that we're finding it in social media, and all we're finding is, is that which makes us more lonely because we start seeing things that we don't have, relationships that we don't have, and things that we're lacking, and it drives us further and further down this this road of loneliness. And so people need community. You need community. I need community. You can't be what God created you and designed you to be without me, and I can't be without you. We need each other, and it's hard, and it's difficult, but it's worth it. Romans gives us an idea of what this community looks like, and 
He writes and says, don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. How do you know it's easy to pretend to love people? Right? Like, it's easy to, it's easy to with my words, say, I love you. I value you. I care about you. I wish the best for you. But then when the rubber meets the road, it's like, uh-uh, no shot. He says, don't just say that you love people. Really, really love them. Hey, what is wrong? Hold tightly to what is good. I think our world needs to hear that today. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. He continues in verse 12, he says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them, but pray that God will what? Bless them. Like, think about that. You're talking about the downfall of community is there are people who will persecute you. There are people who will talk about you. There are people that will try and hold you back and hold you down. And what is God's word instructing us to do in that situation? Not just pray that God would change their heart or pray that God would change their mind or pray that God would change their actions. God, would you reveal to them the, their sin and the error of their ways and how they've been treating me? That's not what you're instructed to pray. What you're instructed to pray is, God, would you bless them ridiculously? When's the last time you prayed for your enemy that way? That's hard. It's not, it's not easy, but that's what we are told to do. He continues, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Oh my gosh, live in harmony. Live in harmony. Harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think that you're better than anybody else because guess what? You're not. And then, and then finally, and potentially most importantly, don't think that you know it all. How many of you know a know-it-all? How many of you are a know-it-all? Listen, for those of you that are know-it-alls, nobody likes you. Now, we might genuinely love you. We might, we might really love you, but nobody likes being around a know-it-all, right? No, nobody likes somebody to always come behind them and be like, yeah, but, yeah, but. You can't tell a story without them being, well, yeah, but one time, like your story doesn't have to trump my story. Just let me tell my story. Don't think that you, don't think that you know it all. This is, this is hard because when you read that, it's so convicting because it's like, man, do I treat people like that? Do I love people that way? Do I pray for people that way? Or am I that know-it-all who only hangs out with people that I think are worthy or deserving? Am I only looking for relationship with, with people that I agree with? Am I only trying to, to be around people who think like me? Am I, just, am I just trying to surround myself with more Johns or am I trying to surround myself with people who challenge the way that I think and have a different perspective than I do? And am I praying for those that are outside trying to cast stones? Am I, am I, am I really loving people? Is that the life that I'm living? Because it's the life that I'm told to live. It's hard and it's challenging, but it's something that we value. Listen, I know it's messy and I know it's uncomfortable 
And I know it's awkward at times, and I know it's hard, and I know being in a small group is not the easiest thing because that means you have to go into somebody else's home. Like that's a scary proposition. And you have to eat food that somebody else cooked. And that's a scary proposition. Like, I recognize that it's not the most comfortable thing, especially being one who's introverted myself, that I would just as soon stay home every day by myself in my room. Like, that, that to me, my favorite thing to do is go to movies by myself on Tuesdays. Thank you, Carl. I love that. But that's not, how, that's not how I was created. I was created with this need for community, and so were you. And I can't be a doer of the word unless I'm being a doer with other people in relationship and being real and authentic and vulnerable and transparent and open and just like, listen, I struggle too, and I need help at times as well, and I'll help you and I'll sharpen you if you help me and you sharpen me. And there are people in my life that do that. Do you have people that do that for you? Needs to be something that we pursue. It needs to be something that we value. So, so authentic community is something that we value. The next thing that we value is unity and diversity. Now, if you thought community and authentic community was fun, you're really going to love this one. If you thought having authentic community was challenging, then just wait a second. We value, we protect, we pursue unity in diversity. We value diversity. You don't have to, to look hard to find diversity here. You don't look, have to, to look hard even on the, the worship team to find diversity on the worship team. I, I love the diversity that is represented here because it's a picture of what heaven is going to look like. When all people from all nations and all tongues and all tribes are gathered together, worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And one day there are going to be a lot of churches who get to heaven and it's like, man, I've never experienced this. And my heart breaks for them and it hurts for them. And it's like, man, you're missing out on so much because the reflection of the kingdom, there is, there is beauty in that, but it's challenging it's not easy, but it is worth it. Psalm 133 verse 1 says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. When there's unity, it's a pleasant thing. When there is division, it's not so pleasant. It's the reason you can, you can turn on your TVs and you can see the result of division in our society, and in our culture. You can see the, the results of division in, in families, in, in communities, everywhere you look. But God's word says when God's people live together in unity, it is good and it is a pleasant thing. All throughout the New Testament, we're reminded to be unified. 1 Corinthians 1 says, let there no, be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Romans 12, live in harmony with one another. Philippians 2, being in one spirit and one mind. Galatians 3, you are all one in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 13, be of one mind, live in peace. 1 Corinthians 12, we have been baptized into one body by one spirit. Time and time and time again, Paul or Peter are writing to these New Testament believers saying, listen, 
listen, it's vastly and it's greatly important for you to live together united as one. Why? Because up until that point, it had just been the Jews. It was one group of people that could worship God. God said, you are my people. I am your God. I will set you apart. You will be a people set apart unto me. But then when Jesus came, it wasn't just for Jew, but it was for Gentile. What's a Gentile? A Gentile is simply a non-Jew. So if you're not Jewish, guess what? You're a Gentile. So Jesus came not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. Now there's, there's churches springing up across Rome and across Greece and, and all over the place. So now there's, there's people with different cultures from different backgrounds, ethnically, culturally, socioeconomically, different experiences, different perspectives, different ideas, different thoughts, different patterns of behavior, all coming together now united under Christ. And anytime you get different people from different places with different ideas, you're going to get conflict conflict. You're just going to. But that's why the unity in diversity is so important because diversity is beautiful and I love it. And we celebrate it and we honor that and we respect that and we protect that. And it's something that I will continue to push forward. But if that's going to be something that we value, then we better do everything we can to protect unity in the house as well. Colossians chapter three, Paul is writing, and here's what he says. He says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him, each and every one of us being transformed into his image. Verse 11, he says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. He says, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Now, a couple of things before we move on. Number one, I don't want you to read what he's not saying. He's not saying that all of this stuff goes away. He's not saying that Jews become Gentiles or Gentiles become Jews. He's not saying that the uncircumcised have to be circumcised. In fact, they had a, a whole church leader debate on whether the, the Gentiles should now be circumcised. He, he's saying that that doesn't matter. He's saying that that still exists and that doesn't change and your standing as such doesn't change. But what he's saying is that all of that stuff, while it still exists and is still there, it is now secondary to being united under the banner of Christ Jesus. He's saying your, your ethnicity doesn't go away. And I think that's a problem when we talk about unity today. We think unity is uniformity. Unity is not being, being the same. Unity is not you looking like me and me looking like you. Unity is us being unified with one spirit and with one mind. What does it mean, one mind? That doesn't mean that we think the same. It means we're pursuing the same thing. That's what it means. So as long as we can pursue the same thing and, and, and be unified under the banner of Christ, then we can be different because our differences make us beautiful. If you all looked the same, it would be really boring every week. It would. I get tired of looking at you. <laughs> but the, the, the differences in us is what makes diversity beautiful. And I, I think, you know, there's people that say, well, well, I don't see color. And I understand what you're trying to say, but like, that's not the heart. I want you to see color. I want you to see it, but I don't want you just to see it. I want you to celebrate it. When you look at me, I don't want you to not see that I'm Native American. 
I want you to look at that and to honor that and to respect that and to celebrate that, but know that what unites us as followers of Jesus is greater than our ethnicities or our cultural upbringings or our socioeconomic or our tax bracket or any of that stuff. All of that stuff is still there and we celebrate that, but we don't celebrate that more than we celebrate the blood of Christ. And that's what it's, that's what it's about. It's hard. It's difficult because this doesn't go away. It would be very easy if he was like, all right, Gentiles are now made Jews. All right, uh, those of you that are uncivilized, boom, now you're civilized. I wish he would, I really wish he would do that. Like, can that apply to teenagers as well? Teenagers, those barbaric teenagers living in my basement. Can we just like snap our finger and make them civilized? He, he doesn't, those things still exist. But even in that, we can still be unified and it's hard it's difficult but he gives us a picture of how we can achieve that in verse 12 go ahead and continue he continues the very next verse he says since god chose you to be the holy people he loves you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy clothe yourselves with kindness clothe yourself with humility with gentleness with patience make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends anybody been offended Anybody been offended? Anybody, anybody ever been scrolling through Facebook and just seen some ignorant meme? And it's like, who do they think they are? Like, they have no idea. They, they don't know what they're talking about. How dare they? How, how, can, how, can, how can they call themselves a Christian and post this? Have you ever had that thought? What do you do in that moment? <laughs> do you... Do you stop it and say, you know what? I make allowance for faults and I forgive. Or do you, do you allow that seed to take root in your heart? Even as small as it might be, you think it's fine. You think you've moved on. Well, then I just won't talk to that person. I just won't look at that person. And I'll just move to the other side of the auditorium. And I just won't walk in their door on Sunday. And I'll just, I'll just find a new church. I'll just go somewhere where everyone looks like me and thinks like me and votes like me and acts like me and believes like me and thinks the answer to, to the world are the same things that I think it is. Or are we quick to make allowances for our people? Are we, are we merciful? Are we kind? Are we gentle? Do we forgive one another? Why? Because God forgave you. Why should I forgive them? Why should God have forgiven you? Did you deserve forgiveness? Nope. Do they do deserve forgiveness? Maybe not. But should we offer it anyway? Yes. 100% every time. Be quick to forgive. That's how, how, how can we live this life? You have to be ready to forgive. So you must forgive others. And then verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect. There's that word again. Harmony. Clothe yourselves with love. He's writing to a diverse group of people with diverse religious backgrounds, with diverse opinions, with diverse perspectives. And he says, look, I know you guys are all different and it's gonna be difficult and it's gonna be hard, but that's why you need to clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. That's why you need to be kind and gentle to one another. 
That's why you need to put your pride aside and live a life of humility that isn't about you or your opinions or your views or what you want to see, but seeks to instead elevate other people. That's why you need to forgive and and make allowance for each other's faults because there are going to be people around you that do stupid things. Listen, there are people in Dream City that do stupid things. I'm one of them. There are people at Dream City that say stupid things. I am one of them. There are ignorant people at Dream City Church. I am one of them. Because you know what ignorance is? Ignorance is simply a lack of understanding. And there are things that I don't understand, just like there's things that you don't understand. And it's okay to be ignorant. It's not okay to stay ignorant. And when instead we seek to gain understanding and we we seek to listen rather than speak and we seek to understand rather than to be understood, what happens? I don't I don't I don't get it because I don't see what you see. I don't experience what you experience. But when I sit down and I begin to have conversations, I can understand it. And we get up from that conversation and it's like, man, I love you. I love you. Everything about you is beautiful. You are a vital part of the body of Christ because one part can't say to the other part that I don't need you. There is something that you were created to do, uniquely designed and gifted for in this time, that this expression of Christ needs you. And I honor that in you, and I don't have to agree with you, but now I understand. And it doesn't mean that that, that you've changed my mind or I've changed your mind, but at least now I understand. I will never be able to maybe empathize because I can't walk in that. I can't put myself in that, but I can sympathize and I can understand. And when we begin to have those conversations and talk that out, you see how it begins to change. That's what leads to unity in diversity. And it's difficult and it's hard and it's real and it's raw and it's emotional and it's like, it's like one of those times where like you're teetering right on the edge, like either this is going to like crash and burn or it's going to be one of the most beautiful things. But is it not worth taking that risk? Remember several months ago, there was a conversation that took place here at the church. And it was, it was the worship team had gathered and, and, and they were having a meeting and different things began to, to be brought up. And, and it was kind of one of those like open forum, like, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Not even political, just like, as a worship team, what songs do we want to do and how do we feel like this is going? And, and, and different things began to be brought up. And, and it, got, it got a little political and, and things were, were said with maybe more emotion than uh, intended. And things were received maybe in a way that, that they weren't intended. And there was some miscommunication and, and lack of communication uh, among a couple of, of parties that were there at the meeting, one of the parties is a, a biracial couple. He's, a, he's an African-American man. She's white. And, and the other couple are, are both immigrants, one who immigrated from, from uh, Guatemala himself 15 years ago, one whose family immigrated here from El Salvador. And so you have this Hispanic family and this Hispanic couple that are communicating and this, this mixed couple who are communicating, and neither one of them really understand the other's perspective because they haven't lived what the other has lived. 
And so things get brought up and things get said, and it would have been very easy for in that moment for bitterness to take root and, and an offense to be picked up and, and people to say, you know what, I'm just going to leave the church because it's not even worth it. They don't understand. They don't get it. They're never going to get it. They're never going to understand what we're talking about or where we're coming from. And so just to, to save ourselves from the conversation for the hundredth time and to save ourselves from the, from, the, from the emotional output that it's going to require, let's just go somewhere else. There have been people who have done that. There have been people that rather than sitting down and having hard conversations have decided to take the easy way out. But because unity and diversity is something that as a church we value, and because these two families are both committed to the vision and the mission of this house, they said, we can't allow this to happen. And so through a series of conversations that took place after that, there were, there were conversations that happened and forgiveness was, was offered. Apologies was offered. Forgiveness was, was given. Grace and mercy was given in abundance understanding was found because at that point it ever all the the defenses were put down and it was like okay just help me understand and when you're able to sit and listen to gain understanding rather than speaking to be understood something clicks and something changes and so now to the to the point where and I love it because we were at um we were at a, a member of the team's house a couple weeks ago. We were having a, a party for Pastor Andre and Pastor Renee as they kind of have transitioned. And so, so we were there and, and I came out into the backyard and, and the two people who were talking were the two who were engaged in this conversation. It was, it was Eric. Some of you know Eric Swanson. He was playing the guitar today over here. And it was Luis who was playing the piano over here today. And, and the two of them were engaged in this exchange that could have severed relationships. And it could have brought division and it could have hindered the ministry of this church and from this stage and as they lead into worship. But rather than being a hindrance or leading to division, what it's led to is an even greater relationship and a deepening relationship between the two of them. And I loved it because when I went out into the backyard at this party, the two of them were standing there talking, hugging, shaking hands, enjoying. And I love on Sundays when I come in and I see one of them come in, they are the first person that they will go to and hug. And it's like, I love you, man. How are you doing? I love your family. And, and it didn't ruin relationship, but it deepened relationship. And, and they, they still have their differences of opinions and differing thoughts, but that doesn't mean that they can't be unified under the body of Christ. And now that I see you and I understand you and I've had conversation with you, we can move forward together with one mind and one spirit. And that's what it, that's what it looks like. And it's hard. It's not easy requires you put in the blood, the sweat, and the tears. But if it's what you want, and if it's what you're passionate about, and if it's something that you value, then you will commit yourself to doing the work. Unity doesn't mean that we hide from hard conversations. But it's actually the exact opposite. Unity requires us to have hard conversations requires us to get our hands dirty. If we're going to move forward together, this is what it's going to look like. It's so rewarding and it's so worth it and it's so beautiful. What would happen if we just, we just started living the way that God's word tells us to live? What would happen in a world that is so divided for a group of people to stand up and say, we look nothing alike? We don't vote for the same party or candidate. 
We don't think the same. We don't look the same. We don't act the same. We don't come from the same. We don't have the same. But we are one. What would it look like for us to to be able to stand up in a world that is crying for unity? Listen, a political party or, or candidate is not going to unify this country. An economy is not going to unify this country. Even a a foreign enemy is not going to unify this country. We saw it a little bit after 9-11, but that was fleeting. Why? Because it was built on worldly things. But when we are unified under the banner of Christ and we move forward as one people, we can then be an example to the world that, look, it doesn't mean that you are the same. It doesn't mean you look the same because unity is not uniformity. But we can move forward together. And here's how we do that. It's not anything in the world that brings us together, but it's only through the blood of Christ can that be done. What would happen if we lived that way? And then the last thing that we value is honoring others. We value honor. We are creating a a culture of honor. We hope that when you come in on Sunday mornings that you feel honor, that the the people that you encounter are showing you the love of Christ Jesus, that when you you come in, you 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 are loved and you are honored from the time that you park on the parking lot till the time that you walk out after service. It's about honoring. What what does it mean to to honor? It means to elevate one's status, the status of another. It's not about elevating ourselves. It's about elevating those around us. Me and Angel went down to Charleston for her birthday, and we we went down to Savannah one day. We were in Charleston for for several days, but I love walking around those, those places because there's so much history that you can't walk around the corner without seeing a square or a statue to somebody or a building that's on the historical landmark, whatever, association, something or another, because it was built by some guy in 1758. And I don't know, but if you want to stop and read his story, you can. And I love those places. And we were walking around and and as we we walked around Savannah, like every every other block, there was this this city square, which is like a, a park the size of this auditorium. And in the middle of this park, there would be a statue to somebody. One was a, a statue to, the, to the, the city's founder, Ogletree or something, I think his name was. One, there was, there was one park that they had a statue of John Wesley, the famous preacher and minister. They had statues of all these different people honoring the things that they had done. And as we were walking through, we would stop and we would read about this person or we'd read about that person or this president or that, that congressman or, or all of these other things. And, and I had this thought like, man, what must you do to get a stack? Could you imagine living a life that at the end of it, they're like, you know what? We're going to build a statue for this person. Like, that's incredible. Like, the, the honor that is given to, to these people who rightfully deserve it. But I had the, the thought that it's so, it's so easy for us to give honor to people that we think deserve it. But what about the people who maybe don't? It's so easy for us to build statues of people who did these incredible things. But what about the, the needy in our community? What about those ones that, that maybe their life story is not as grand, but nevertheless, they are created in the image of God the same as you and I? They are as deserving of honor as we are. Do we, do we live lives of humility that are seeking to honor those 
around us. Romans 12, we read it earlier, but I want to read it to you in the ESV. It tells us this. It says, to love one another with brotherly affection and to outdo one another in showing honor. Do we live lives this way? That, that whether I receive honor today or not, I'm going to do my best to outdo everyone that I encounter in honoring them. That no matter what is said to me at work, I'm going to honor my boss. Some of you, like, you were looking down and then you looked up right away when I said that because it's like, are you sure, Pastor John? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> they don't deserve it, Pastor John. Yes, they do. They do. Their actions may not deserve it, but the image of God in them deserves it. Are we quick to honor or are we quick to bring down? Are we quick to reflect kingdom principles? Or are we quick to reflect the TMZ culture that we live in that is just watching and waiting for somebody to mess up so we can pounce on it and say, I told you so. I told you they were crooked. I knew they were messed up. I knew it. I've been saying it for years. Like that's the culture we live in, a paparazzi culture that's just following people everywhere, waiting for one mistake, one word, one. Or do we live in a culture that honors says, look, in spite of your mistakes, I elevate you because of the image of Christ in you. In spite of what you've done, I honor you. And I choose not to see you the way the world sees you, but I see you the way that God sees you. And when I see you the way that God sees you, when God looked at you, he sent his son to die for you so that you might have an abundant life here and now. In the same way he died for me, he died for you. So, so may I not look at you with my physical eyes, but may I look at you the way that God sees you. And when I look at you the way that God sees you, it's easy for me to honor. In spite of what you've done, in spite of who you are, in spite of the mistakes, I honor you. That's the kingdom, and that's what we value, and that's what we pursue. Stand with me this morning. We're going to close in just a moment. And as we're, as we're wrapping up, I want you just to put the, the seven values back up on the screen because I want you to take these with you this week. Again, this is, this is about recommitting ourselves, committing ourselves to the vision, committing ourselves to the values. And I said it at the beginning and I've said it every week, that if these are gonna be things that we as a church value, they have to be things that we as individuals value. We can't just commit to these things on Sunday mornings. We can't just commit to them on Wednesday nights. We can't just commit to them in small groups, but these have to be things that we are committed to in our individual lives. So as you go this week, I want you to, to take an honest inventory and an honest evaluation and ask yourself, am I ready to commit to this? Am I ready to commit to putting God first in all things in my life? Am I ready to, to committing to transform lives in a way that, that, that spurs me and prompts me to get out of my seat and bring people along for the journey? so that their lives would be transformed as well? Am I ready to do everything as if I was doing it unto Christ because I am and I'm doing it for his glory? Am I ready to open up my hands and invest my time, my talents, my treasure into his kingdom? Am I ready to be devoted not just to God, but to others? Am I ready to take that jump into community where I commit to being authentic in it? 
Am I ready to commit to having hard conversations that our diversity requires us to have in order to keep the unity of the body? And am I ready to commit to living a life of honor? Maybe you're here and you, you hear that and it's like, yeah, absolutely, I'm ready to commit to that. Maybe you hear some of those and it's like, give me a week. <laughs> but maybe you hear that and it's like, man, that's what I want my life to reflect. Then this is the place for you. This is where God has called you to be. If this vision, if these values is something that you hear and it it's, excites you on the inside and it's like, I, it's not just something that I want to do, but it's something that I want to give my life to then this is the place for you. And if not, listen, no hard feelings. No hard feelings. If you hear this and it's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe Dream City's not the place. That's okay. Come find me and I will recommend 10 churches for you to go to and maybe you could get connected to one of those. But, but your job is to be connected to a local church, an expression of the body of Christ so that you can connect and be plugged in and fulfill the purpose with which you were created. And if this isn't the place, I don't want to keep you from that. But if you're here, you're watching online, you say Dream City is my church, now you know what we're about. And now you know what you're about. Now you know what we value, but now you know what you value. Now you know what to use to guide your decision and your conversation and your life. And, and God, if I value these things in my my life should reflect it. May this not be a culture that we just seek to create on Sunday mornings, but may this be a culture of Monday through Saturday in our homes. May our marriages reflect these values. May our businesses and our schools reflect these values because these aren't just my values. These aren't just our values. These are kingdom values. These are God's values. And when we value what he values, something special happens, amen? Amen. Let's pray today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for, for your heart. We thank you for your kingdom. And God, as we seek to, to advance your kingdom, as your representatives, as those being transformed into your image, I pray, God, that you would help us to, to take your values and make them ours, that we would, we would pursue you above all that we would be devoted to you above all, but then God, as well, we would be devoted to one another in community, with diversity, protecting unity and honoring one another. God, I pray that as we go this week, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, that you would equip us through, through your spirit, through the, the fruit that your spirit produces in our lives to go as accurate representations of you. Lord, that you would give us opportunities to to talk about the, the transformed lives. So you give us opportunities to talk about the transformation that's happened in us that you are wanting to bring about in everybody that we come in contact with. God, give us opportunities to, to be salt and to be light, to be pictures of unity in a world that is so broken. God, however you want to use us, pray that you would do that. Whatever the the plans you had almost 12 years ago when you birthed this church and the, the things you had in mind and the things in your heart that you wanted to do in our city and our state around the world, God, whatever those things are, I pray, Lord, that, that as we pursue you, you would bring those to pass. God, that your will would be done. Your kingdom would come. God, that it would be on earth as it is in heaven as we seek to bring your kingdom here. 
We thank you. We love you. Go with us this week. Be with us and bring us back next week. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Dream City Omaha is here to help you discover Christ, recover your identity, and uncover your purpose. We encourage you to check out our past sermon series and our discipleship classes. And don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date.